Hello, fellow Gritizens. Do you believe in your ability to navigate life's obstacles, but you're not always sure where to start? Well, lend us your ear, because here on our Grow My Grit podcast, we gather strength and inspiration from real people navigating real obstacles in real time with grit. My name is Peter Willis, coming in from Calgary, Alberta, together with our gritty guru, Hayes Shetmeyer, who is beaming in from Mississauga, Ontario. Here on the Grow My Grit podcast, our intention is to engage with guests and listeners who are ready to know, grow, and show their grit, perhaps best described as one's default settings in the face of obstacles, and what obstacles we've faced since the beginning of 2020. However, one of the biggest opportunities available to us all is the possibility of recreating our identities and re-engaging our relationship to both ourselves and to one another using the unique strengths we already possess and reliably bring to challenging situations. With our individual grit compass as our guide, let's explore what's available on the other side of obstacles. Are you ready? I am so ready and I am so excited for this mini episode. As a follow-up to our chat with the incredible Renata Chubb, we have decided to host a little bit of an additional conversation, really tapping into that aspect of that creative people, in particular our artists in the world, experience this real presence of procrastination and just never really knowing how to start and seeking the advice of others. But what I proposed for Peter and Renata, having done one-to-ones with both, was really tapping into some of that literature that you find inspirational or motivational and the stuff of, okay, I have what it takes to get back on track. And then seeing how the grit that you've actually defined for yourself, some of your words and those messages are in fact in those external sources. So I thought it would be fun to have a mini follow-up to our amazing chat with Renata. And again, hear from our artists and our creatives how sometimes the words and the messages from other people around those things that we find difficult to navigate sound a lot like the words that we've in fact chosen and the path we've created for ourselves, starting from our grit. So we have two books to focus on, and I'll just let the names of the books come up as we dig in. Awesome. Thanks, Ace. That was was perfect. (laughs) Yeah, so we we were just chatting after the podcast, actually, the, 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 the last one that we did. And, it, and and I noticed this as well on Renata's website, and there was a quote from uh, Julia Cameron um, from the uh, who, who wrote The Artist's Way, amongst other books. Um, and so that just got a whole line of uh, kind of questions and, and, and chat going. Um, and, and then there's another one that I really enjoy uh, called The War of Art, which is by Stephen Pressfield. Um, and... It'd be kind of neat, I think, to have a chat here with uh, with Renata just about, um, you know, those two books, their influence, um, and how that applies or doesn't to grit, the challenges of remembering your grit when you're trying to be an artist and procrastinating. Uh, it seems to be a theme. Um, but I think that's, uh, you know, that was the first thing that I saw on your website there, Renata. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'll just, I'll throw it over to you here. I just saw that, you know, Julia Cameron's name comes up on your homepage there. That was a book that I read that I really enjoyed as well. Um, yes. but w- w- yes. what do you think? I'll just throw it over to you. Well, the quote is the creative process is a process of surrender and not control. And I think that that's something, this idea of surrendering but then having something like grit as a background, like you can surrender, but you still have to be active. Um, there's something in this, you know, the, 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 the spontaneity of a creative process or this 
you, you know, it, it's not as easy to um, create, like to actually create that momentum. Like it has to kind of happen. You can try to inspire it, but it, you can't just say, okay, 10 o'clock, I'm going to be okay, ultra creative. And, you know, from 10 to 12, I'll, you know, create this, 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 and this. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So I think for me, there's a bit of a contradiction in what does that look like for me as a, as a creative person? And then the actual application in the world of achieving, you know, these things you want to work through or experience or accomplish. That's for me. And I notice, I notice, and I think we touched on this uh, at the end of our last conversation, you know, there are some people who create daily. That's what mm -hmm. they do. And then there's other people who create in spurts. So even that the nature of your your way of creating has to be taken into account. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It feels like there's yeah, a lot yeah. there for me. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. Yeah, I you know it's a it's a it's a tricky one. I think you know you, one of the your, the first things you said was um, um, uh, being active in surrender, which is you mm. know that's a uh, that's a dangerous one, I think. So, like, it's great. It's great. But if you unpack it a little bit, like, the the kicker there is that surrender doesn't mean laziness. Right. Right? And it's right. really easy, I think, for me, to be like, oh, I'm going to just surrender to the artistic muse and wait for inspiration to hit me. And hours, days, weeks, months later, <laughs> I'm still sitting there, right? And I'm right. actually maybe being lazy. And I'm that's where resistance comes in, which ties into Stephen Pressfield's book about the war on art, right? Like so there's a there's a lot there that can be dangerous with surrender. And if you're not careful mm. or at least not cognizant of how it's affecting mm. you or your, you know, your implementation of that. <laughs> right. But even listening to that quote again, like when you really listen to that, right? To me, the mm -hmm. creative process is a process of surrender, not control. So you've absolutely mm -hmm. touched on that in the sense that you want to honor your natural flow and the flow of your creation, not hovering and controlling and judging, yet you need framework. Like, like to your point, you can't just, you know, sit there and wait, um, I don't know. I think there's a lot there around honoring that natural flow and trying to stay out of judgment when you're creating, but also having a framework that actually gets you to the place where maybe the flow can start to kick in. Maybe that's what it is. Um, and that's maybe the growth component, right? Is like knowing that, okay, maybe I come down to my studio at you know, 10 o'clock on Wednesdays and Fridays and whatever happens, happens, but having that framework. So I know this is something I have definitely learned from Hayes because I have struggled with structure. I, and she has taught me that, you know, put, put that time block in because mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah, totally. I'm, yeah, I'm the first person to go. Yeah. But I don't really feel like that. It's like, put the time block in, show up and start. And if nothing, you know, it is what it is. Right, yeah. um, and I want to jump in just a bit as well because I think what is interesting is the the word control. The connotation is the question is you know well what is it that you should be controlling and what is it mm. that you can leave space to happen. So even two things I've heard you both say that idea of a framework. So this is where I see the grit element coming in. So the action required in the space of surrender, even though that's a bit of a contradiction, surrender to the creative process, but put things in place that will make opportunities 
available to you. So if you know, again, both of you, you have your G, Renata, your G is for growth. And so when recognizing that part of the surrender is surrendering to that really difficult, uncomfortable feeling of growth. It doesn't mean that I can control what comes out in this block that I've put in my schedule. But again, what I'm trying to get to is that sense of recognizing that there are elements of the creativity that you cannot control. I cannot wish this canvas to be full, but I can control my schedule to the capacity where I know that if I put these blocks in place, I am much more likely to have a painting or a composition a month from now than if I haven't done any of that work. So there's that element of, again, and then Peter, your G is goofy, really just saying, you know what, I'm just going to let this whatever comes out, be as silly as it's going to be. I'm just going to start somewhere because that's how I offer some levity and bring some space to kind of open up. So mm-hmm. I won't go through each of your letters, but initially that sense of, I know I need to take action in order to create, but I can't be sure what actions, I don't know <laughs> yeah. the outcome. I don't know this. I don't know what the end result of my creative effort will be, but I know that I've put something in place. I know that I've made space to be goofy. I know that I'm going to keep coming back to that. So I'm just hearing that same idea. The framework is specific to the individual because artists agree, Mm. creatives agree that procrastination is just a better choice sometimes. And that choice won't connect you with that creation that is just waiting to to emerge. So I just wanted to pull that kind of connection. Yeah, there's a lot for me to think about in that, because it's interesting when you say, you know, I can have the time block. And to your point, I don't, I can fill a canvas easily, whether I like, then it goes to the next level of, but do I like it? Do I feel it? Or is it just, has it just been uh, a creative, you know, because it just needed to happen, right? I I don't know. It's interesting. It's really... Yeah, and sometimes that bleh is better than keeping all that inside. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that oh, bleh yeah. is still a step toward that hard thing. So again, if the outcome, the, the obstacle is creating this work that's going to end up on Broadway if you're a musician or in a gallery, that little bleh is one step closer toward the yeah. other side of that than sitting and deciding, well, I'm not going to create until I have the perfect image yeah. of what it should be. Right. and. Right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. element right. so yeah for sure and that, that's a- the surrender part for me like it's like you know like just being okay that and trusting that in my case the g the growth right and mm. i think the resilience probably kicks in a little bit there too um that each each even the most imperfect experience but honoring that creative process yeah um yeah is growth yeah Yeah. And then building again on that with your I, your second iteration of your I was if then. So what I hear you sometimes say is, well, if I sit down to create and it's not perfect, then this was a waste of time, which is in fact, (laughs) which is a form of self-imposed suffering because it is also that flip it. If I spend an hour feeling what I feel and doing something, that's a, that's that's taken time out of my busy, disorganized day to actually connect with that element. So again, knowing that you're if then, Peter talked about this last time, the, the contradiction in terms, but again, if I don't have something I can sell, then that block of time was a waste. Or if I don't have a composition that I can propose to the local um, music group, then it was a waste of time. Or if I do make that time, then that's a first step toward the other side of that big, scary Ooh. 
This oh. this leads into all kinds of things for me because <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know that it's so funny because I don't often feel that like the the desire like of course you want to create things that other people love, but that's never been that's never been the forefront, and yet there's always that voice, even though that's I, if I act, I don't actively pursue that on the level that I could or I see some of my peers doing. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting because it's like that that. So I, I don't even know. Uh, to me, that's my that's my version of the integrity, integrity, which was my first, and perhaps then my if then, uh, because it's like people are like, you know, why don't you post more? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And it's like because I ultimately I only do it when I want to, which is so I don't know. I don't know if that's making sense, but there's something in there for me around. Control. My, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I want to do it when I want. <laughs> I want maybe, maybe that's maybe it is control. Maybe it is control. But uh, or is it just that? I mean, the nature of my work is to honor expression, not perfect finished pieces. Expression, right? So there's a there is a difference, and yet people seem to confuse them all the time. Like it's mm. always this. Yeah, but you. Sh- it's now a, a product, and it so, there's something that shifts in that mindset mm-hmm. for me when people go there and impose that or ask me to I don't know there's something happening there for me yeah. okay and independent of that melding of you're producing now to sell there's also that piece of you're producing for the absolute joy that it brings you but still not making time in your schedule so I, I hear that definitely those other voices are telling you why and when but even coming back a step if the if the creative process, brings you the joy of which you speak, but you're not offering yourself that time to mm. be engaged with that, then there's another set of obstacles that you're not, and again, not you in particular, but that we put in place where there's this thing I like right. to do, but I never really make time to do it. And then I'm stressed out and really wound up about all the other things that I can't do because I haven't had a break and because I haven't done anything right. refilling. So I feel mm. like there's lots coming out in that, but sometimes oh. the obstacle is, I don't want to do what I'm being asked to do. I want to do what I want when I want and wait, but I love these things and That's I don't make me. time for them. <laughs> Is that you, Peter? Does that sound, any of that sound like you? <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a pretty accurate description. That's for sure. <laughs> you want me to do that now? No, I don't think so. Um, well, I was going to ask Peter this. I was going to say uh, like, See, uh, uh, do you find that you work in spurts? I work in spurts. So there, I might go through five days down here till I'm like, it's it's too stinky of paint and I need to get out, of, get out of here. But I know that I actually emotionally, like this is my, this is my emotional outlet, right? So I, I can tell by week three, if I haven't done something, I get crabby. I get downright crabby, like, and I realize it's because I haven't honored that need to just be left alone with a pot of coffee and create something, even if it's mm-hmm. just for an hour or two. Um, but when you create in spurts, I was going to ask Peter, is, like, I have resistance to schedule. I really do. I, try, I mean, you know, I really do. And I try not to, but it's so, yeah, maybe that's my version of control. I don't know. I don't want, I don't like a schedule. Like I I can appreciate what it does for me. I can appreciate structure, but I I have difficulty. That's, that's not my favorite place to be like, Oh, look, the next week of my life is mapped out. That's great. You know, no, I never feel that. 
and tying it back to this idea of obstacles, does that, oh, my week is scheduled, is that better or worse than it's been three weeks and I'm crabby because I didn't plan those blocks. So choosing like what's the lesser because you're only getting to that three-week point. Part of the potential for getting to that point is not having taken the time to say this every Thursday afternoon, I'm just going to sit and stare at my canvas. So is the cost of having a framework, not to say what you have to do in that block, but is that cost of saying, okay, I know I'm going to be in my space twice this week worth saving yourself the conversations and the things that may or may not come out of your mouth when you're in that state. Right. So this is an interesting time because I have had a sort of period here where I haven't the last few weeks I have not created for myself. And my schedule is seeming quite full with miscellaneous, strange things, one-off things, you know, and I'm thinking, where is my time? I keep thinking it'll be like today. No, it wasn't today. It'll be Friday. Well, no, Friday suddenly getting full. And I'm really struggling with that now again. So yeah, there is the need for the structure. I, I yeah. think uh, to, to me, what I, what I like is like right along these things. And I struggle with those things too, for sure. Um, you know, and this will, I'll tie this back into grit in a sec. One of the things is um, so, you know, if we take the war of art, for example, so as a writer, um, Stephen Pressfield advocates for um, you have to have a schedule. You have to sit down and do it. You have to put your butt in the chair. You got to do it. Right. And there's lots of great examples of how that works and lots of great examples of why resistance is going to pull you away. Um, and, you know, uh, from, so that's from a, uh, a novelist point of view or a screenwriter's point of view. And then I know Ron Saxmith, you know, as a songwriter, he advocates the same type of thing. He's like, songwriting is a muscle. You just got to do it. You got to sit down every day. Mm-hmm. Got to keep doing it. And so, you know, and, and I can appreciate that that is, it, it has to get practiced, right? Like you have to, you have to practice. You got to put your butt in a chair. Um, and then there's the other side that is, and we've talked about this, uh, maybe I think it was a few months ago, but one of these, uh, one of these, uh, a cartoon that I saw was about uh, the flowers, uh, was about flowers blooming, right? And I thought that was great. And it's a bit of a dangerous one to go down because it feeds into my procrastination. So I have to be careful of this one. But it was the, it was the, the idea of the cartoon was a flower, uh, certain flowers only bloom once a year, right? Maybe they bloom twice a year or maybe the buds come out twice a year, whatever it is, but it's not all year that they do it. Right. So like the lilacs aren't blooming all year. They bloom for two weeks a year and they're amazing when they bloom. And we just appreciate that. Whereas a lot of the time I think as artists and maybe, maybe it transcends artists, like it gets to everyone now. And especially with, you know, social media being what it is. We're like, I feel that you're almost supposed to bloom all the time. Right. And that's incredibly taxing. And that's and that's not to say we shouldn't we shouldn't put our butts in a chair and practice. Right. But do you have to bloom all the time? Uh, you probably we probably don't. And that's a pressure that I think a lot of people put on themselves now. I know our artists do. I'm sure lots of people do. And I just but I love that analogy of like there's so many things in nature that don't bloom all the time. We love them when they show up and when they show up, they're special. And then they go back and they, they go away for eight months or nine months and we just get on with things and then they show up again. And, and I just, I, I, I do like that. That visual for me is really important, especially, you know, as life is tumultuous as it is. Um, 
I do like that. No, having said that, that doesn't mean we, we have to, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be buying into that 100% because then that will mean that I can go eight months of the year without really doing anything. And for four months of the year, I will bloom. That doesn't serve me very well either. Right. But I, I do at least like that. I do like that visual. So whether we're talking about art or not, that 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 visual of blooming all the time, nothing does that. I love that because that helps remind me that if I need some downtime, I can take it because <laughs> yeah. very it's, it's really easy to get caught up in always posting or always performing at a crazy high level or whatever it is. Right. But nothing in nature actually does do that. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. and so that's not again, I'm not trying to make an excuse for, for not performing at your best or trying to do your best, but it certainly helps. That helps me gauge kind of like, oh, this is maybe one of those times. Um, yeah. And I just, that's, but that's also where, you know, if I pull it back to grit, that's also where like for me and reading these books, I'll pull it back to the books as well. Like mm-hmm. I think they're both great and they both have a lot to offer. Um, but I find if you, you know, if I go down, if I read too many books about how to get things done, it gets too <laughs> serious too quick, right? Like it gets overwhelming. And then I go into another brain freeze, right? So that's why my G word being goofy. Now that doesn't mean I have to be wearing clown feet the whole time. But it does mean that, like, remember, this is supposed to be fun. And I'm trying, like, the last couple of years working with Hayes and, and doing and and really trying to get a handle on grit. I'm finding that that, that does work it, to remind myself that Goofy doesn't mean I have to be laughing all the time. But it doesn't. It also it, it, it just means that I don't have to be so deadly serious the whole time. So I love these two books. But I also find that reading lots and lots of self-help books or like, like this type of thing can also kind of like eating cheesecake. You can't do you Maybe you don't want to do it every single night. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's great every once in a while. And it can be very helpful. It can boost your mood. It can do all kinds of things. Right. But you yeah, I just got to be careful, right? That was a bit of a rant there, but I just, or yeah. a ramble, no, but I just wanted to, was, I just wanted to nope. throw that in. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to pull a few strings together because I don't ever feel like you ramble. I feel like you give so much to me and the listeners and our guests. So a couple of strings I want to pull onto. The first is which is that whole idea. The purpose of this conversation was that same idea where you can read books and read books and read books and mm-hmm. get everyone else's mm-hmm. knowledge. But unless you have that foundation of where yeah. you're coming from, which we use grit. So I know my G, my R, my I, my tea. So as much as I'm reading all this literature, what I'm going to pull from Julia Cameron, if I'm Renata, is the stuff that reflects the truth, because that's my tea. I'm going to constantly pull into that. If I'm Peter, I'm going to constantly come back to Stephen Pressfield has given me guidance that reflects that there are a lot of temptations out there. So I love that you took that detour because it really reflects the value of this conversation that, yeah, everybody has an idea and a suggestion but the most effective when it comes to creativity, when it comes to navigating obstacles, is the stuff that relates back to where you are comfortable, your default settings, the stuff you'd be doing anyway. So that was my first kudos to you for that mm. little ride there. And also coming back to both of your ideas, for both of you hearing that um the idea that your tea, so for Peter, your temptation is your tea, for Renata, your tea is truth. That same idea of having to bloom all the time isn't the truth. That's not reflect. That's not true. And then Peter, the temptation again, like oh well, everyone else is doing it. Social media says, but ignoring those temptations and honoring the truth that I can in fact schedule a block a week to be creative. And if I get eight weeks worth of output, that is something I want to pass on. Great, but those other forty-four weeks were just time for me. So again, pulling that whole idea that. The scheduling element doesn't mean that because you had a block, 
you have to have something to sell. It means that the truth of it all, big, way big picture, Udo Erasmus big, is that we are part of this system and the system does not require that what that which we create to be available. So again, yeah, spend eight months of the year, eight months worth of those blocks. It's not going to be anywhere. It's not for display. And then if four mm-hmm. weeks or four months of those blocks led to mm-hmm. the desired outcome, awesome. So mm-hmm. yes, your truth. And the temptation, again, tying it to your T words and your R and your I and your G is mm-hmm. the most powerful way to hear those um, hear those external voices and file them accordingly. This is a good file under G. I like it. I think my T word may be shifting slightly too. It's funny, <gasps> this came up yes. the other day. I know, to trust, right? Trusting, they're so... Uh, trusting the process, trusting, you know, the very nature of your grit framework is to work <laughs> with your own nature, like your own way of being and what your own natural tendencies are. Um, so I think I'm almost evolving into my T's almost evolving into trusting that, like really trusting that. I know. Beautiful. That's a big, Congratulations. That's yeah. Mm-hmm, thank you. And yeah. And that's the point for listeners. Again, this model is not set in stone as the conversations continue. Sometimes you may end up with three words. Sometimes you may be like, no, truth was an important stepping stone to recognizing that that's where I need to base myself. But now I got truth. Now it's trusting the truth (laughs) and the experience. So totally, yeah, words can change. They may stay the same. They may change. It's yours. It's your grit. Hayes, I got I got something for you here. And and, uh, this may be be a way to... to, uh, to put a bow on it, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. I, it's something that I wanted to just check in with you about. And so, like, yeah. you know, uh, we talked about a lot about resistance, right? And art procrastination. Um, and mm-hmm. that often gets equated, especially in the war of art, but that gets often equated to fear, right? And I know you have, I know you've talked before that there's two types of things there's love and there's fear. I think I got yep. that right. You totally and, did. Yep. <laughs> and I just think that's really interesting. And, you know, just thumbing through the books again, and that just comes up mm. so often. And and so it's interesting. So as artists anyway, so we love to create, uh, but we don't create because of resistance, which is actually translated into fear, right? So right there, you've got love and fear and the same thing. And they're seemingly... <laughs> Seemingly always button up against each other, um, yeah. but I can't really remember kind of what your what that your take is on on the two things, fear and love, and how they how they work or don't work together. But you know, I just think that that's kind of it's related to I think what we're talking about here. Like we creative people love to create; they just love it. And they, when they don't create, it's perhaps sometimes it's oh I'm lazy, I'm lazy. But as you kind of so eloquently put, no, it's fear. And I just thought maybe if you could break that down for us, that would be, that'd be great for our listeners because I think that's wise. (laughs) Awesome. Yep. So essentially what a lot of the conversations I have in espousing is that every single choice and everything we do is either an act of love or an act of fear. And when you, whether it's how you greet someone, whether it's what you decide to do with your time, whether it's how you choose to talk to yourself or to engage, you're either coming from love or coming from fear. Fear is that anger, the envy, the resentment, regret. There's a lot of stuff tied to that. The the love is the respect, the joy, and not happy, happy, but just the joy and the wishing well and that that kind of accepting the space. The, the abundance is kind of the love view. The scarcity is the fear view. So those are kind of 
terminology. Those are words that I'll interconnect. But to your point, Peter, that yes, a lot of artists, creatives will speak to loving the feeling, loving the opportunity to be creative, but they're afraid they're wasting their time. They're afraid it's not tied to their income. They're afraid it's not going to be received. A lot of the fear, which is often other people's voices or just practical experience, well, I'm not going to make enough or, well, the world doesn't need this poem right now. The world can get by without my song. If this song is only good enough to play at a party, it's not worthy of a rock concert stadium. So I feel as what you've just described is a lot of love of self among creatives would increase the value of that time and decrease the fear of people's receptivity to it. So as long as you're afraid that what I produce isn't Mm. going to be valuable, isn't meaningful, but if you just love to do it because you love you, that's an entirely Mm. different conversation. So a couple of layers to that, but ultimately loving what it is that nourishes you will motivate you to make time for it. But if it's an afterthought because it's, I'm afraid of the response or I'm afraid it's not going to be good enough, there's a big one, but good enough for what? If it's good the, enough it's to get it out of your system, right? yeah. 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 If it's just good enough to be, I wrote something today. It's good enough to say, right. I painted instead of sitting on Zoom, then be in love with that. <laughs> Don't be afraid of, well, it's not worth posting or it's not worth sharing. Mm. But again, so I'll, I could go on, I won't. But ultimately, the idea there is that the resistance sometimes, the fear is louder than the love of what this creative endeavor will do for me. And the more I love myself, the more I know what I love and the more I will make time for it. So I don't get to that point where I'm not pleasant because I haven't had enough of this. I haven't had enough of that. Right. So yeah, another episode for sure. But ultimately what I'm hearing us all say is that idea that it's so important to honor our words, to hear them in other people's words and to figure out a way that that support system accesses our grit because we are all unique in the obstacles we're facing. We are all unique in our approach to them, but a lot of the information is the same. And so the more connections we can see, the stronger the base we have as we approach, navigate, go through, around, over, under, the more likely we are to actually get to that other side or take a few extra steps that we wouldn't have taken if we didn't have that guide or the roadmap or our grit. I love it. Kind of Thank thing. you for that. You're <laughs> welcome. Perfect. That kind of sort of answers your question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important piece. I just always enjoy that. I, I, I getting reminded of that, of the, mm. the fear, the fear piece is always an interesting one for me to look into. I don't yeah. often think of myself as being fearful, but mm. when, uh, I really don't, but when I, when we break it down, it plays such a bigger role than I think it does. And it's just so important, I think, to identify that, um, because it's obviously very real and I can yeah. name it anything but fear. I don't think it's fear, but it's also, it's just healthy to be able to name that properly and identify it. And I often probably try not to do that or I give it other words, but that's ultimately yeah. probably what it is. So I always find that a, it's always a helpful little kick in the pants for me when we talk about it. <laughs> awesome. Beautiful. And for our listeners, again, we are here to support each other. We are here to come to that conversation that labeling is important. Labeling what we are and aren't doing is just as important as choosing differently. But it's when we label things appropriately and realistically that's when we have the power to A, act from yeah. our grit because that's a label and also to make choices or make different choices because, oh, 
I know what I'm doing. Mm. I know. And be, what and be open to the challenge, right? Be open to be challenged about it. That's healthy too. Yeah, like challenge. Very, by very choice. rarely do I come away from these chats not being challenged, and I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Challenge by choice. So again, we've covered a lot. We've covered literature. We've covered our own perspectives. We have celebrated the creatives who are here to bless us and hopefully bless themselves with time on their schedules to offer more of what they have because we want it as the world is just waiting for whatever it is you produce even if it's 12 months from now we're excited thank you renata <laughs> thank you thank you for having me thanks renata thanks hayes you're so welcome <laughs> see you soon bye bye everybody bye <laughs> Grow My Grit with your hosts, Hayes Shetmeyer and Peter Willis, is a production of Gritty Guru Company. Technical production by Niall Fines. Music by Peter Willis. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Google, and Spotify. For more information about Hayes' book, Know, Grow, and Show Your Grit, Self-Discovery Made Simple, please visit growmygrit.com.